Good evening. You can see on the screen one of the most quoted verses in all the Bible from Philippians chapter 4. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I want us to be aware of the context of that statement in Philippians chapter 4 verses 10 through 13. Philippians 4, 10 through 13. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. In the New King James, Christ who strengthens me. In the English Standard Version and the NIV, him who strengthens me with the pronoun being a clear reference to Jesus Christ. Context, we've read, let me offer some comments. Paul was grateful to the Christians in Philippi for the support they provided. I think not just monetary support, but he said earlier in chapter 4 that the church was his joy and crown. Here in verse 10, they had revived their concern for Paul, and he wants them to understand something. I have learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. He goes on in verse 12, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Now, pause there. How do you do this? Hungry one day, but plenty on another day. Abundance part of the time. Need part of the time. Well, there is a secret, meaning many people do not know this or knowing this, do not live this from the inside out. I can do all things through Christ, through him who strengthens me. Here's something we all recognize. God's people are not given duties that are impossible to fulfill. Some things are very challenging, but whatever God expects is possible. But only if we are following Christ in daily obedience and progress, spiritual growth, continued trust in Him, each of us should be able to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So, when we are weak, we ask for strength. When we are not wise, we ask for wisdom. When we sin, we repent and ask to be forgiven. When we are ignorant, we seek knowledge from the scriptures. 
in whatever place or circumstance, abundance, plenty, peace, conflict, good weather, stormy weather, large church, small church, the secret many do not know, we know, and it's here. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, let's take another look at this from a different perspective. What if Paul had just said, I can do all things? Period. We would regard that as arrogant. Apart from his active trust in Christ, Paul could have never developed the contentment and the consistency of discipleship that he describes here. But contrary to any self-assertion, the Apostle Paul said to the Philippians, and by extension to us, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, another perspective about this I want to touch on. We cannot take this to mean, I can just do anything I want. And Christ will strengthen me in whatever I want to do. No. This is not a sweeping statement that contains anything we want to put in it. I cannot be strengthened by Christ to sin. He does not give us strength to fulfill just any appetite that occurs to us. So it can be said, this takes in doing everything that is right in his eyes, according to his example and teaching that we have in this book. He supplies strength to his followers. If I leave him, I leave the strength that he offers. We can do all that is according to his example and teaching, even when we're living in circumstances that do not favor peace and contentment. Tonight, I want to give you four examples of what we can do through Christ who strengthens us. Number one, I can let my manner of life be worthy of the gospel. Philippians 1 and verse 27, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. The gospel of Christ, the truth about who he is and what he did, calls for our response in faith, repentance, and baptism. But then after baptism, we are still connected to the gospel. The gospel communicates to us not just a way to be forgiven initially, but also a way to live and a way to die. There is in the New Testament a prescribed manner of life. I do not hesitate to say in the New Testament there's a code of conduct. When I read Philippians and 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, the Macedonian epistles, 
When I read the end of the book of Romans, when I read the end of Ephesians and Colossians, when I'm in First and Second Peter and Hebrews, the final chapters, I discover a code of conduct. We talk about obeying the gospel and that's a legitimate way to describe becoming a Christian. But one is not finished with the gospel at baptism. Paul says, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. When people see the way we live, the way we talk, the way we treat people, and the way we worship, they ought to see the truth of the gospel being continually lived out in real life. Christ strengthens his followers to live in a manner worthy of the gospel. If I'm not living in this manner, my weakness, my neglect, my sin is preventing me from having the strength that Christ promises. And don't overlook this little word only. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel. The sense of that word is one thing. You must see to this. Whatever happens... Keep your manner of life according to the gospel, no matter what your circumstance is. Here there is a core idea that is repeated over and over in the New Testament, not only in Philippians. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Likewise, in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 10, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. We may not be viewed favorably by the world in general because they're unbelievers and we are believers. This is why it's all the more important that Christian behavior in the public sphere should be beyond reproach. First, there is our reverent obligation to God, but there's also that light that must shine. That visual impression that people should have as they observed that we not only obeyed the gospel, were walking in a manner worthy of the gospel. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can look out for the interest of others. In chapter 2, Philippians 2, starting at verse 1. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Then the example we have, verse 5, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. 
We must be servants who look out for one another with humility and in full accord. Serving God, serving our neighbors, serving the lost, as we considered this morning. And serving each other. Christ enables his followers to see where serving is needed, who needs us, and how they need us. Here in Philippians 2, there are real-life examples of the humility of Christ, and along with that, Christ strengthening these two men, Timothy and Epaphroditus. I mean, listen to, to Epaphroditus' story, beginning in verse 25. Philippians 2.25 I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. We already admire the man. Verse 26 For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. He nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to be like Christ, to serve with humility, to minister to Paul's needs, to encourage Christians in Philippi. Then, about humility and service in Philippians 2, move higher than Timothy and Epaphroditus. In verses 4 to 11, Jesus left the glories of heaven to come here to serve us. So can we serve each other? Can we serve our neighbor? Can we serve God more fully than we have in the past? Can we be like Jesus in how we treat each other and how we treat people? It all begins with this attitude of humility illustrated by Christ. Paul says, have this attitude. That's code of conduct stuff. But how do you do such things when you're not feeling well and when you're challenged by circumstances? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can press on toward the goal. Chapter 3, verses 12 to 14 not that I have already obtained this or am already perfected, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. 
Take just a minute and look at that simple word, press. And think about all the forms of that word in our language and in our thought processes in communication. Press. Well, there's pressure. There's depressed. There's oppressed. We feel pressure all around us to conform, to quit, to join in with the world, to to just go away from God. To leave the code of conduct behind. In our language, the word press in this context means to exert yourself and to apply full pressure in the right direction. See, it's not just pressure. It's pressing on in the right direction. One resource I checked said the definition is to push steadily ahead in the right direction. Sometimes it will seem to be slow or gradual, but we push steadily ahead as individuals, as families, and as a local church. As an individual, you can just stop where you are or... You can push steadily ahead, knowing that Christ will strengthen you as you determine to make progress. As a church, we could give up or just inactively sit around and wait for something to happen, or we can push steadily ahead in pursuit of the goal, pressing on. Christ strengthens us to do so. I can be content. Back where we started about contentment. Verses 10 through 13. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That's contentment. God's people should be illustrating what it means to be content. Now, how do we do that? How do we face that challenge? As we follow him and press on toward the goal in the right direction, he strengthens us to have attitudes and moods of contentment. Hebrews 13, 5, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Is that a challenge or what? Be content with what you have. Materially speaking, I should be content with what I had. Spiritually speaking, Paul says, press on toward the goal. Guard your hearts. Rejoice in the Lord. In uh, in 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 8, 1 Timothy 6, 
6 through 8. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. What a challenge that is for people living in our society today. How in the world can we do that? Through Christ who imparts strength to his followers. His followers. I think we all come to places in life where we impulsively say about a challenge, I just can't do it. Or have you ever been to a place in your life where you said to yourself, I can't do it anymore? There is some hesitation on our part to come out and say boldly, I quit. And so we express it in other ways. It's hard, I just can't do this, I can't do this anymore. But there is that nagging thought that we just don't have what it takes. We don't. We don't have what it takes. He does. Paul couldn't say, I can do all things. And we can't say that. As followers of Christ, that is to say, as we follow his example in teaching, with prayer and constantly correcting our course, he supplies the strength. But I have to be there with him, obediently following him, and he supplies the strength. In Philippians 4, look over at verse 19. In verse 19, just across the page, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. When you think you can't do it anymore, it's too challenging, it's too hard, open up Philippians and read Philippians and put this on your refrigerator door in Philippians 4.19. My God will supply every need of yours. That's speaking to the followers of Christ according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. We can let our manner of life be worthy of the gospel. We can look out for the interest of others. We can press on toward the goal and be content in whatever our earthly circumstance is. Whatever struggles we face in the days to come, let's stamp this on our hearts. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let's be standing as we sing.